0: Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, um, the Beatitudes are things that are probably familiar to most of you. In fact, the wording of them has become so much of our consciousness that we, we stick with wording that is really archaic. First of all, uh, normally you pronounce the word blessed, Right? <laughs> But when you read the Beatitudes, how do you say it? Blessed. I feel blessed today. No, we, we just don't say that. And there's other words just so fixed in, in this section, so familiar. Uh, we, we speak like we're living 200 years ago. Well, what does it mean to be blessed or blessed Sometimes as Christians, we feel like we can't say, I was lucky. I can't say I was lucky. I have to be blessed. Well, does God cause everything to happen the way it happens? I mean, every little detail, was that God's choice? And I think if you think about it, you'd have to say the answer is no. Because a lot of this world is sin. And beyond that, there is the curse. And that is, I think, what it is, is God backing off just enough so that he lets the world kind of roll, free roll as as it goes. He does not change its details. And that's what's so hard about the curse. So sometimes when you live in this world and it doesn't roll over you, you are actually being lucky. Blessed is when God does intervene. It's when he sticks his hands in there and changes things to be completely different than what they should be. And that will be the case in the new heaven And the new earth. And that is the case in all these things we're going to talk about today. It is God intervening in the world so that it is completely different than the way it would normally be. And that's why this list is what it is. Every one of them is somewhat ironic. It is not the way the world normally works, but it is going to be the way the kingdom of God works. So, let's take a look at them, if you want to get the gospel lesson back out. It is important to note that, at least to some of these, they're not not things you deserve. And ultimately, because of our sin, it's not something that we earn, but it is an opportunity to act within the way that God tells us to act, So, so we are exhorted to live this way first one says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of god kingdom of heaven did you get up the other day and say oh i feel poor in spirit today once again this is old language it is when you go to the greek actually a word for word kind of thing poor in spirit but what does that mean doesn't mean that much in English, right? It's because this is a colloquialism. People who are English speakers did not invent colloquialisms. We use them all the time, don't even know about it. She's driving me up the wall, we say. Well, not literally, you know, up the wall. It means she's getting on my nerves or something like that. We have all kinds of colloquialisms, and we use them without thinking one bit. We all know what they mean. But when somebody comes from a foreign country, they're at first learning the language literally. So when you use a colloquialism, they go, what? And they don't understand what it means. You would think Jesus should know that this is going to be read by all kinds of people in all kinds of cultures. Jesus don't use a colloquialism. But he does anyway. So he's Jesus. He gets to do that. What does it mean? to be poor in spirit. It means to be repentant. Now, in this world, people don't necessarily like repentant. Oh, they make apologies for all their screw-ups. That they do. But repentant, that sounds like you have to feel bad. And in fact, it does. It is It is acknowledging that there is something wrong with you. It is even going back as far as saying, I was born incorrectly. And and that's the truth. We have a sinful nature from our birth. So, yes, you can blame me for being born this way. But being repentant is absolutely at the core to entering the kingdom of God, right? I mean, that's what Jesus wants us to know, that we are sinners. You don't get in there. You're not good enough. You need grace. And the good news is there is grace. So the irony here is the people who are poor in spirit are acknowledging they're not good enough. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ. Then the next one makes even less sense to us. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Nobody likes mourning. Mourning means you lost something big. Mourning typically means that you lost a loved one, but it doesn't have to be just restricted to that. What's so great then about Mourning. Because if if the person you lost was in Christ, and you are in Christ, there's going to be this day, this day of glorious, exciting meeting again. Right? Some of you imagine that day all the time. That's blessed. Blessed to be able to have that, to be able to know that you have that coming. But I'd like for you to think a little bit broader about mourning. Mourning simply means that you are saddened because you care. Do you look at the world and do you see all its pain? And do you care? Do you mourn? that there are homeless do you mourn that there is mental illness do you mourn that there is war or is it like yeah whatever not bothering me well blessed are you if you care if you know about the world and look at this world and it kind of breaks your heart because someday we're going to move into the new earth, we're going to move into heaven, and it's not going to be that way anymore. And you will notice all those differences, and you will rejoice in all those differences because you cared about them here. Blessed are those who mourn. And then another one with a strange word in it. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I was going to stand up there and say nobody says meek anymore. I never say meek. And then I was watching the news, and they were having a on-the-street description of of the guy who who shot up uh, the the Chinese New Year celebration in Los Angeles. That one. And his neighbor described him as meek, and I thought, man. You're ruining my sermon. (laughs) Meek does not mean shy. And I think this guy meant shy. Meek does not mean passive. Better word for meek, in this context anyway, is gentle. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Do the gentle inherit the earth today? Is that how you take over nations, by being gentle? No. The aggressive, the ruthless take over the earth today. The litigious take over the earth today. But that's not going to stay that way. Because when God makes it all new, and his people all new, the people will be moving in will all be gentle. Next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In a way, there's a colloquialism there, too. You don't get a growly tummy. You don't get a dry mouth for righteousness. But that statement hunger and thirst that that speaks of a drive that speaks of a desire i want righteousness that's what i want and do we well if we do even a little that need is fulfilled on multiple levels when you're connected to christ you get right away righteous Right before God, when he looks at you, he says, my righteous child, even if nobody else does. As you move along through this world and you, you follow the Holy Spirit's lead and you learn as the Holy Spirit teaches you through God's law what's valuable, you can take on the divine nature, you can grow in righteousness. So if you want it, it's there to be had. And then as we get into the new heaven and new earth, as we get into the current heaven, what will we be? We'll be transformed to be righteous. And shouldn't we hunger and thirst for that today? Jesus says, if you're wise, you will be. If you want to be blessed, you will be. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is less ironic, I would say, than than the others. Being merciful is sometimes valued in this world, but it certainly isn't a characteristic that you would say, runs real deep in this world, but, but here is what we need to be merciful to other people, forgiving to other people, because what's going to happen for us? God's going to show us complete forgiveness, complete mercy, when we really deserve something else. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Sometimes I think people read this as if there's a certain subset of those who are saved who will get to see God. They were the people who are pure in heart. All the rest of us not-so-pure-in-heart people, we got to stay in the outer room. But that's not what this is saying. If one works with God and pushes out the sinful desires that so much want to reside in us, who strive for pure in heart, there's going to be an experience, an experience that everybody will have who are saved by Jesus that will really connect with that. And that is to see God, see his face, and experience ultimate purity. And it will captivate you. It will enthrall you. It will transport you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Um, those of you who come to service rather than watch online, and I think it's just Newberg online, uh, I often make a, like a PowerPoint that's sort of showing up in the corner, one of these corners. I don't know which corner. Um, and I went to look for a, a slide for Peacemaker, so I just Googled Peacemaker. What do you think it showed me? Guns, right? Here's my Peacemaker. Even in the Christmas story, you know, was this is the Peacemaker? So I put a gun up there. No, no, I didn't. We are to be people who are not creating fights. We are people who are supposed to be intervening to help people get along. That is not a very common quality. Either we butt out or we're in it for the fight. But blessed are people who are peacemakers because they're reflecting a quality of God. And they'll be blessed. They are called right now in heaven, the sons of God. And then the last one, the longest one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Nobody likes to be persecuted. In fact, I read this with, with one of our shut-ins, and he says, I don't want that. I don't want to be persecuted. Who does? Who wants to be insulted and be called a bigot, or stupid, or superstitious, or whatever else they want to call us? Who wants to be mocked because of believing in Jesus? I remember one experience I had in college. It was a moment just testing me. I was coming back from a Bible study, so I had a Bible in my hand, and it said, Holy Bible... On one side, the back cover was blank. And here comes the crew from my floor, from my house. It was sort of a party house. That's where we were assigned. And they were all looking at me, and I'm carrying this book, and I had the chance to just flip it so that the blank side was out. And I knew it was a test, and so I kept Holy Bible pointing out where are you going Tom so back to my room I was at a Bible study and they didn't beat me up and they didn't say a thing but I can still see the face of this one kid he was Canadian if that mattered the smirk on his face said enough. And I was like, boom! No. I was like, thank you. Thank you for that smirk. May people smirk. If people want to call me a zealot, a Bible thumper, whatever. If it's because of Jesus and they mean it pejoratively, mm. thank you very much. If people want to throw stuff at my house or, or do much worse, thank you. Because I know there's brothers and sisters, they, they face much worse. Their children are kidnapped and forced to marry in another religion. They're Churches are burned down. They are mocked in the worst kind of ways. They are beaten and beheaded. And to be included in that group, even in the smallest of ways, is where I would wish to stand and where we all should. Blessed are those who are not ashamed of righteousness, who are not ashamed of Jesus. Now, clearly this list, and that's the end of it, this this list doesn't apply generally to the population. This list does apply to those who belong to Christ. They are people who are already blessed because they have received grace. But with that in mind, then, how are we supposed to use this list? In a way, the Sermon of the Mount as a whole, and and this part uh, and part, is is law. At least the first half of each sentence is a statement of law followed by a statement of gospel. So one of the ways that, that Luther instructed us to look at the law was to see it as a mirror. Can I look at this list and say that I am all these things to their fullest. And to be honest with you, I can't. I'm not always as repentant as I should be. I can't really say hunger and thirst for righteousness. I generally try to be gentle, occasionally I am not gentle. (laughs) Like if you're playing a sport against me, I am not gentle. Look out. I don't always mourn when I see the sorrows of this world. I do some. I don't always. I don't always make sure that my heart's pure. Can you look in this mirror? And say that you do these things? If you can't, then confess that to God. But then use this this list as a guide. I want to be blessed. That's what I want. I want to experience the joys just as Jesus describes them. I want to reflect God as He is. And this list describes Him in so many ways. So can we pursue these things and actually be changed? Yes, we can. Because the Holy Spirit is within us. And we can partake of the divine nature. And why wouldn't we? Because it's a blessed way to live. It's the way God's... People live. It's the way Jesus' disciples live. We have this opportunity to live this way in a world that's not this way. So we will be oddballs. And that's okay with me. And I hope it's okay with you. May God give you the strength, the strength to be blessed.